Podcast Network Asia. Welcome to She Talks Peace, a podcast that highlights the role of women peacebuilders around the world in bringing lasting peace and security to their communities. Eavesdrop into their conversations and get to know their stories. From the Philippines to Malaysia, from Indonesia to Palestine, from Myanmar to the United States. Their dreams and their hopes for a world without violence and a world where every woman and girl can be whoever she wants to be. Hosted by Amina Rasul Bernardo, President of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, and Dina Zaman, a Malaysian journalist and co-founder of Iman Research. This is She Talks Peace. Salam! This is Amina Rasul of the Philippine Center for Islam and Democracy, welcoming you to the 2022 She Talks Peace. And Happy New Year to everyone. And in the Philippines, we also add, if it's January 6, Happy Three Kings. So hi, Tina. Is it a Happy New Year for you? Hi, Amina. Hi, everyone who's listening into She Talks Peace. And of course, Happy Chinese New Year. Happy That's New right. Year. That's right. Yeah. So we're good. We're good, Amina. I think, you know, I went for a quick break. That was good. So I told myself, and I think everyone should do this. Three days out of a month, just disappear and do whatever. And I hope our readers do that too, because self-care is really, really important. Um, yeah. So where do we begin, Amina? Well, first, tell us where you disappeared to for three days. You went to Langkawi, right? Tell us about Langkawi, Dina. Okay, so this is where I would like you to come one day and we can do our brainstorming sessions here. You know, Langkawi is an island of Kedah. And I decided after two years being in KL, stuck at home with two cats and all that. I said, okay. <laughs> two cats. <laughs> So I went off uh, there, had friends and all that. So we just hung out for three, four days talking about life, kids, food, and all. And honestly, it was good. But, but, I mean, on my way back, the flight, we were in the air for 45 minutes. Initially, the pilot said, oh, you know, we're about to land, you know, please put on your safety belt. And I was like, yeah, we're home. But we were up in the air for 45 minutes. And I started panicking because I don't really like flying. I like traveling, but not flying. Mm, mm. But when we landed, that was when we heard about the floods in Malaysia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so I remember what, that. Yes, I think I WhatsApp you some photos. So usually from the airport to home, it's about 45 minutes. It took me three hours to get back. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of people back in Malaysia say, oh, his karma for all the things that's been done to Malaysian forests and all. We're recovering, but not fast enough. There's a lot of public anger towards the powers that be. So I think we're in for a very angry year. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. I hope not. But you know, there's reason to be optimistic in Malaysia and in the Philippines as well. I've been reading the news about Malaysia and uh-huh. your government is finally implementing an amendment to your constitution that allows young people age 18 to vote. Yes, only 18? Wow, mm-hmm. I always yeah. thought young people could vote in Malaysia. So it's only this year, huh? Yeah, it's only this year. You have to be 21 and above. Uh, so we're really, really ecstatic about that. Then, okay, during the floods, 
maybe a few days before the floods muda which is a new political party fronted by the charismatic uh, politician young politician Said Saddiq but his team the whole political party was you know was acknowledged and was allowed to operate in Malaysia so mm. we are very excited i mean yeah they're still young we don't know where they're heading or how they'll do it but for us we thought fantastic who we are very very serious about what they want to do and what they plan to do So okay that's good news you know I think we're starting off the year in a good way in a good angry manner I hope so because I understand you're going to have like 5 million new voters yeah those are 18 years old wow Dina they can really change the composition of your government yeah, yeah? Oh yes but don't know lah I mean I mean like yesterday you know on the office watch that we were all asking each other like when do you think you know elections will be and everyone said some would say okay for the by the end of the year some said probably next year actually everything is up for grabs i mean we don't know we don't know well let's just hope that young people who are media savvy and yeah. who see what's happening around the world and who are now also following what's happening in their own communities are going mm-hmm. to change yeah. your politics for the better because wow 5 million That's, yeah, that's a big percentage of that's of your percentage. of your yeah. voters, right? Mm-hmm. Yes, it would be great if there was a youth party, huh? Yes. So we have Muda. I mean, I don't know yeah. I mean, for us, for us Malaysians, right? And I don't think we're saying this because you know we don't like you know senior citizens like us, the wise women <laughs> of the world. <laughs> But I think we in Malaysia at least we are fatigued by you know the same old. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com/people today. drama the same old spiel same old people saying the same old things and nothing is happening amina i yeah. think for the young it's not about disrespecting people who've been there longer it's about okay you've been there you're supposed to be more experienced now what are you doing and nothing is being done yes yes so, yes yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's uh, that's why i thought it would be great to talk about the empowerment of young people in right. Malaysia and the Philippines because that's a source of optimism for 2022. Our yeah. elections in the Philippines is going to be in May. When are your elections, Dina? As I mentioned, we're not sure yet. Definitely not in May or June because of uh, Bulan yeah, Hayan, uh-huh. Ramadan and all that. Yeah, yeah. So it could be at the end of the year. It could yeah. be next year. But you know, I mean, things can change. <laughs> yeah, things can change yeah, dramatically. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Well, in the Philippines, we've been informed that we have like 5 million people who are voting for the first time. So that uh-huh. means those are going to be young voters. Right. And they can really change the results of the election. Right now, among the presidential candidates, Marcos is ahead. Uh-huh. But in the Philippines, when you look at 
you know, the front runners and yeah. how they perform in the final count. I don't believe mm-hmm. a front runner has ever won. <laughs> so the front runner is Marcos. I think Vice President Robredo is now at mm-hmm. second place according to surveys. Yeah. Inching up. So uh-huh. these five million who are voting for the first time are right. really going to be a significant, they make a significant impact in the coming right. election. And, you know, our young people here and I guess even in Malaysia, uh-huh. they're worried about, well, not just COVID, but they're worried about the environment. They're worried about, you know, uh, inequalities. They're becoming more concerned about that. So okay. I'm really optimistic, Dina, about these possibilities. Oh. What else are you optimistic about, Dina, for 2022? I think for all of us, at least among my friends, my family, you know, I think we're cautiously optimistic. I mean, nobody's doing all these resolutions about going to the gym like three, four times a week. No. <laughs> yeah, not anymore. Think, yeah, but I think for us, it's like this. Let's take it day by day. Let's figure out where Malaysia is heading. Let's see what we can do with our sisters and brothers in the region. So we'll just be very cautious that way because... I guess after two, three years, you know, since 2018, (laughs) we don't want to be disappointed anymore. That's true. A young leader from Malaysia who was, I think, interviewed by Benar News. Uh I forget her name. She was saying of the muda and the youth Ah, vote. And Uh she's saying they're definitely a better option than the rest, especially (laughs) for those of us who are sick of old corrupted and misogynistic politicians. And she says, and that's like half of Malaysia. Whoa, Dina, half of Malaysia is uh, sick of (laughs) old, corrupted and misogynistic politicians. I wonder what it's like in the Philippines. I don't think there's been any any survey as of yet looking at where our our people are trending. (laughs) I guess one of the problems, you know, the, Mm -hmm. um, the years that we've had under President Duterte has, like uh, the years under Trump, uh, it has allowed a certain hardening of Uh, a macho, you know, machismo, a a macho-oriented governance style, a macho-oriented political style. And uh, this hasn't been very good for many yeah. of the issues that you and I are fighting for, you know, the yeah. equal opportunities for women, yeah. uh, the role of women at the peace table and uh, to right. be part of uh, peace and security strategies. And so let's see uh, if there's going to be a real change come May, the May elections of, of the Philippines. But speaking about these trends and looking at the prognosis. I read part of the essay that you did. (laughs) And I really wanted you to to tell us more about that. You're talking about decolonization and you're you're looking at so many (laughs) other issues, the role of peace builders and diversity. Because I'm thinking everything that you wrote about 
and, and I understand it's only part two of your essay, right? But uh, part of that focuses our discussions of She Talks Peace for 2022. So tell us more about okay. this and why did you decide to write about it? Okay, let me explain, right? <laughs> you know, I'm doing a part-time PhD. Yeah. So we have two classes. Wednesdays are the straightforward ones, the research methodology ones. The first day classes where, you know, you, we study decolonization, occidentalism. So that's been very interesting. But, you know, when you come to a certain age, I mean, doing homework every week is no joke. No, <laughs> not at all. So then on, what happened is that one of the professors wanted us that all of us students, right, for Thursday classes as part of our course to do a TikTok or a video. I begged him. I said, look, I cannot do TikTok. I cannot dance. I am not a performer. <laughs> I just freaked out. So then he said, okay, okay. I said, but I think I've got this idea. I said, because it is a short, okay, a short essay, right? Initially, mine was really, really long, you know, because I thought, okay, why don't we do a proper brief? Then he says, no, I only want 800 words. This is too long. So, okay, I just want to pass my, my Thursday classes, Amina. <laughs> so basically what I did is this. Based on what we've learned, I thought, you know, it's, it's true. She talks peace. You know, the Southeast Asian women peace builders, they were all created to showcase our voices our right. hopes, our dreams, our anger, our whatever, right? And I'm hoping, you know, so I had to do that Canva video, which I don't think is greatest, but look, I'm pretty happy I managed to do something. Mm-hmm. And I'm just hoping that our sisters will not just take it, it's, oh, it's just a one-off thing that's finished. I think that all of us have to push each other and make better videos in mind, yeah? yeah. Where we talk about our voices, what are the things? Like that day I spoke to Shalom, Fatima, right? And she mm. said, oh, you know, it'd be great to talk about how we should push indigenous voices in peace building. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so much you can learn. So I'm hoping our sisters will actually take up that, you know, and you know, I've just put it out there. But, but having said that, I mean, you know, in this decolonization course I'm doing, this occidentalism class I'm learning, right? I've been quiet you know because i don't want to say the wrong things yeah because they're all <laughs> academics and all but i have always wondered and that was a point i put in that really truncated uh, truncated essay i did yes nobody denies that the, our colonizers did a lot of harm to colonized countries mm. the philippines that is true but you know i believe in being reconciliatory okay we have this we have to acknowledge this the thing is the world is not perfect how do we work together with such a bloody, tragic history behind us? How do we work with the West towards peace building? You know, and I've had this discussion with some friends who are really, really anti-colonial who say we cannot work with the West at all. But isn't that the whole point of peace building, Amina? It's not about killing each other with, even with ideas. It's about us saying, okay, we've got issues and they're horrible issues. Now, yeah. what are we going to do next? And look, you've been in what you say in the game a lot longer than me, Amina. What do you think about that? Do we actually go against the West or do we admit our own histories and say, okay, what are we going to do? What do you think? Well, this is the problem with West as of today. Mm-hmm. Just look at January 6th. In okay. many Catholic-dominated countries, uh-huh. uh, Mexico, the Philippines, January 6th is a day for rejoicing. 
It's three kings. In Mexico, people exchange gifts on uh, three kings, not necessarily okay. yeah. on Christmas Day, but on January 6th. And in yeah. the Philippines as well, it's a major uh, day right. for celebration. Uh-huh. But in the West, I think all of the major democracies are very concerned with January 6th. In fact, the Stockholm-based uh-huh. International Institute for Democracy and uh-huh. Elections uh, Assistance, uh, International IDEA, has right. already classified the United States as a democracy that's backsliding. And in uh-huh. large part is because of the rise of Trumpism leading yeah. to right. the insurrection of January 6th, where you've got right. all of those Trump loyalists attacking uh, the Capitol. And in the year uh, that passed, uh, ending uh, in January 6th this year, the lines have divided. In fact, I was just looking at the survey that said that almost 40% of the people that they surveyed actually think that they would accept a coup. Oh. And this is for the United States. So, right. you know, our countries, the Malaysia, yeah, pattern, yeah. your governance was patterned after the UK. The uh-huh. Philippines, our governance uh, systems patterned after the United States. Right. I think maybe we better start rethinking our systems and look at something that's going to fit us better. Right. I remember Dina, the late Lee Kuan Yew, uh-huh. yes. came and gave a talk. And I was in the audience listening to him. And he said in Singapore, when they looked at their constitution, they looked at their political system, they didn't just get what the United Kingdom, what Great Britain brought over or uh, other countries brought over. But instead, they got it. It's like he said, think of a suit that's given to you. It doesn't fit you. So you shorten the sleeves. You maybe shorten the, the length. You fix the shoulders until it suits you. And his advice to the Philippines was, look at your constitution and look at it like a suit that was given to you and tailor fit it to your physique, to your style, to your society. And I think it's really about time that a lot of people start doing that in Southeast Asia because we have seen after January 6th the tremendous flaws uh, that are now apparent in the West. Yeah. I mean, yeah. even when they talk about women and equality, I right. mean, just take a look at the elections in Southeast Asia. I mean, we've had women already elected as heads of state in Indonesia, in uh, the Philippines, the United States. They haven't had one yet. I mean, it's good that they've got a vice president now, Kamala Harris, but presidency, I don't know. And in these coming May elections, who knows? We may have another woman uh, elected as president. We don't know. So um, I, I think you're right. We don't. We shouldn't just accept what has right. been given to us. Instead, yeah. we should tailor fit it, Dina, to yeah. suit to suit our needs. 
I agree. There's another thing which I think we need to address, you know, like it started with Shalom talking and, then, and I was doing this work and then everything had to be shortened. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. I think that we also have, we Southeast Asians, right? We also have a, a culture, not even history, a culture of othering others. You know, yes. class divide. We have, you know, foreign uh, domestic workers from the Philippines, Indonesia coming to Malaysia. And then you know what happens. And then in the, you know, in the Philippines, you also have the majority Catholic, you know, the Catholic majority othering the Muslim minority. So I think we also need to address that. And I hope my sisters in the WhatsApp group will <laughs> pick this up yeah. and actually talk about this. Yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. Again, we should no longer accept what the West is selling us no. hook, line, and sinker. I mean, for a country that prides itself on being yes. the vanguard of equality of women. I mean, all of the misogyny that arose during the time of Trump, I, I can't imagine that happening. Well, in the Philippines, we've had a, a bit of that uh, in the last yeah. four years. But still, yeah. in the Philippines, at our core, our communities are still very open to empowerment of women, to equality of women. But Dina, that's because in Southeast Asia, before the colonial masters came, we were very democratic in a way because I don't think we ever had any problems with women having a strong role in uh, business or in society or or even in governance. I mean, we've had cases of um, uh, leaders in uh, sultanates who were women, or at least powers, um, you know, behind the the throne. So yeah, we should start in you know investing in a discourse, okay. looking at a democracy that that suits us, a a very right. ASEAN type of democracy. How do we do that? How do we Start that discourse, Dina. And I'm really thinking you should get Muda to maybe spearhead a a discourse about that. What a truly Malaysian democracy look like (laughs) according to the young voters. I mean, come on, there are millions of new voters, right? Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Maybe, no. you know what? Okay, let me think this. What we can do is, I'll try to get the Muda.com's guy. He's suffering from COVID right now based on his Instagram. Oh, dear. If we can get a young politician from the Philippines and someone from Southeast Asia, 
Myanmar. Oh, yeah, Bonnie, that would be great. We host and get them to talk. If you were the prime minister or what, that would be yeah. fantastic. Let, let, let's see. So we can get some from Indonesia, someone from Myanmar. Yeah, even our sisters, you know, from uh, me. From, I think uh, the that other would countries. be great. That would be great. Yeah. Because yeah. I think in, uh, well, at least in Malaysia and the Philippines, uh, 2022 is going to be really impacted yeah. by by right. the young, not the okay. least because of the yeah. role that they will be playing right. in the uh, yeah. elections. Oh, yeah. by the way, Dina, did you know yeah. that in the Philippines, uh-huh. um, young people, even teenagers, have a role to play in our government? And it's called the Youth Council or the Sangguniang Kabataan. In the Philippines, the smallest unit of government is called the barangay. It's like your kampong. And in the barangay, they elect a barangay captain. He's part of local government. And the barangay captain has a council. And it's mandated by our law that the youth have their own elections and they elect their own council. And the head of the Sangguniang Kabataan or the Youth Council sits with the adults at the barangay council level. And not only that, Dina, so all of the barangay Sangguniang Kabataan heads, they elect one from among them to become their representative at the municipal or the city council level. And then they, again, they elect those who are in the provinces, one who will sit at the provincial board level. And then they vote again and they elect one who will become the national president of all the Sangguniang Kabataan. And this national president sits as a de facto commissioner of the National Youth Commission. So young people in the Philippines have a real role to play in governance. Unfortunately, over the last few decades, I suppose the local government department hasn't really paid much attention on actually empowering these young leaders so that they do something worthwhile with their resources because they do have a percentage of the local revenue. So what you see is that those who are elected are children of politicians. So uh, sons and daughters of the governor and the congressman. Yeah. (laughs) So they're the ones who become members of the Sangguniang Kabataan. I'm just thinking, can you just imagine if you had activists running yeah. at the, the village level, at the barangay level, and they have this national network? That would be right. an amazingly powerful youth movement. Mm-hmm. We should yeah. have our, our young leaders talk about that. Maybe you can have no, something actually, like that in Malaysia as well. We, what we could do is she talks peace can actually, you know, kick that off. Okay, so I'll talk to them. We'll figure out dates, okay? We'll ask Ruby or friends, Emma and all that, see who they can actually loan for this chat. You know, maybe after that, right? I mean, that's just, it doesn't look like we're going to travel again. Maybe we can do a virtual webinar, a series of webinars or something. 
we, you know, let's talk to certain funders and see whether this can work. Yep. And mm-hmm. since Muda is now, is yeah. now a party, and yes. if they're really looking at a policy that would respond to the needs of the youth, maybe they could take yeah. a look at our Sangguniang yes. Kabataan yeah. and yeah. The push for something similar for Malaysia. Patina, who are the leaders of this Muda, this uh, youth, okay. youth party? All right. There was Said Sadi, who was with um, Bersatu, very young, you know, has a very idealistic. I mean, initially, a lot of people dismissed him as a very pretty face, but he mm. is walking the talk, you know. And then looking at the members, the people who are fronting and also part of Muda, I know I have one friend who used to be with Amno Youth who gave everything up and said, you know, there's no way I can actually do make a difference because I'm, I'm not from a political dynasty. Mm. So he joined and actually he's doing good work. He's the one who got me, who ended up contracting COVID. But when I look at these young people, what they're doing is very organized, you know. Right now they're focusing on the, on the floods. Yeah. But they are saying the right things. They are doing the right things. Um, the fact is they also push. They're part of the group that has pushed for the voting age, you know, mm-hmm. to be... Mm-hmm. Uh, so I said, I think if the registrar of society can actually say, all right, we, we say, okay, you know, you can vote at 18. What does that say? I think everyone's pretty sick of the current status quo. Um, it's not just them. I also see, right? Not just Mudani. Gosh, I really sound like a great, 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 great grandmother now. But when I compare my time, when you're young, you're volunteering, you know, trying to be an activist and not doing very well. I think these kids, you know, one, they're, so, they're technologically savvy. You know, I, I have not gotten the hang of TikTok. I'm throwing the whole app out. But <laughs> they know how to say what to do. Maybe it's because from years of observing, you know, the, the politics that we have in Malaysia, maybe they have that intelligence that which maybe I never had at that age. But they're doing this in a proper manner. I see so many other, you know, NGOs or coalitions in Malaysia where they're demanding this rights or this should be this. And I'm going, wow, why didn't we have this one of much younger? And in my 20s, we had like, you know, loose collectives like Pro Muda, you know? Mm-hmm. And Pro Muda was about grooming young Malaysians, you know, leaders and all. One of yeah. them is Kairi Jamaluddin and look where he is now. Uh-huh. But it was such a loose collective and, you know, at that time lah, right? Mm-hmm. You know, that was a time when Malaysia was doing very well, okay? Yeah, Anwar was the finance minister, to Dr. Yeah. M, at the time was Dr. Yeah, Maradi, yeah, the prime minister. Yeah. Things were good. So, there wasn't so much to fight for, except for leadership, corporate leaderships. But now, in the last 10 years, when I look at this young people, it's like you're going, I wish we had that 10, 20 years ago. Um. I think my time when you talk about activism or volunteerism, it was basically, you know, you just crash through everything. Okay, tell us what to do. These people are highly organized. They know what to do. They, they just, you know, they stay in their lane. I mean, of course, I'm sure there have been one or two, you know, setbacks and all, but I like seeing what they're doing now. I do. I, I just feel like, okay, there is hope for this country after all. Just when you think um, you've given up and everything. I'm sure, I'm sure that uh, there is. I mean, I, I understand that for the floods, for instance, Muda managed to raise a, a lot of funds to help the flood victims. So they seem to be 
doing their bit, not just for a political movement, but also to address the humanitarian requirements of their community. But you know, when you, when you really look at young people, sometimes those of us who are senior citizens, we think that we know it all because you know we've had decades of experience. But I only have to remember the Arab Spring and what sparked that and who sustained it. You know, Arab Spring, the revolution for democracy in the Middle East, that was really sustained by young people who used social media to inform each other about where to gather. And they came out in the hundreds of thousands and changed the political landscape of the Middle East and North Africa. But unfortunately, because the support for democratic institutions isn't really there, their movement sort of fizzled out. And those who were very established, like the Brotherhood, the Islamic Brotherhood, in partnership with the military, uh, slow by slow, they took over the new governance after they kicked out the, the dictators like Gaddafi. And now it's in worse uh, shape than before. So the way I see it, movements like what's happening in Malaysia, Muda, and in the Philippines, this probably have better, very high chances of success because the foundation is there. It's not like an overnight political movement. It's not a revolution. But it has been happening over time. And these young leaders have had a chance to learn the system. And they know how to push for the agenda, like lowering the voting age. So, I I don't know, Dina. I'm really becoming more optimistic after learning about the youth empowerment in Malaysia and, and in the Philippines with the young voters registering for the first time and making sure that they're going to come out and vote. I was just wondering what's happening in, in Singapore and Indonesia. I wonder if young people are doing the same thing. Do you have any idea? I have no clue. I would assume, right, in Indonesia, because, you know, civil society there is a lot more rigorous than us. I think, so, yeah. Singapore, you know, I mean, we really need to get a Singaporean activist. <laughs> is that very excuse, quiet. excuse me for asking, but is there <laughs> such a thing? <laughs> Singapore, My Singaporean Singapore. friends are going to hate me for saying that. <laughs> You're like, they're, they're very calm, right? Yes, I they're mean, very, very calm. Yeah. I, I, you know what, I'll ask some friends and see whether there are any young politicians that can join. Yeah, Singapore, yeah. <laughs> they're very quiet. <laughs> Yeah, they're quite, but then that's because uh, uh-huh. they, I, I guess they've gotten the, the knack of working within the system. So you don't really see very strong fringe elements like a radical left or a radical right. Everybody is working within the systems, uh, leveraging their power base uh, one against the other so that they come, they get what they want. It's pretty stable. I mean, it may not be exciting. But at the end of the day, this kind of uh, political give and take has 
made Singapore a first world country in Southeast Asia. It's pretty amazing. I wouldn't mind retiring in Singapore. How about you? Actually, I know a lot of my <laughs> friends think that Singapore is very bland, but I've been there for like little, you know, all these academic conferences and all, and it was very safe for a woman to walk at 11 o'clock at night. Yeah, yeah. So I just thought, okay, I'll just look around. It was actually nice to look at the city when it was asleep. And I know a lot of people said, oh, you know, Singapore, you don't have freedom of speech, etc. But as I say, you know what? The thing is, it's still safe. Maybe, maybe they could loosen up a bit on freedom of speech. But mm. for me as a woman, I just thought walking around alone at night was mm -hmm. some of the best things because I wouldn't be able to do it in KL. I would be quite frightened. I Even in my you age, can't do that yeah. in Manila either, Dina. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but you know, uh, but yeah. Singapore, yeah. Jakarta, yeah. I guess it wouldn't be that safe for for women on no. the street either, huh? No. But I think I mean on that note, I think we should in the future, right? We should talk to our sisters, you know, about the safety, the risks they face when they're doing their work. We've had all our sisters talking about the challenges, but specifically on the risks, you know. Yeah, you're yeah. you're absolutely even, you're yeah. absolutely right. right. Uh, yeah. Look at the indicators that talk about the, the risk to to women as as part of the stability of the country. Still, I would say that we in Southeast Asia, our women are much much safer walking the streets than in uh, South Asia in Pakistan, in Afghanistan, in the Middle East and North Africa. So yay for Southeast Asian women and yay for Southeast Asian society that are yeah, more no, supportive think, of women. I think that there is still a lot of our sisters in MENA, our sisters in Afghanistan, Syria, Yemen, and you know, there's so much work to be done. And I'm just thinking for 2022, you know, okay, so I'm really glad to hear from you that we are getting a really good reach, you know, beyond our homes. Now, how do we get this reach to become actionable and things will get better for our sisters everywhere around the globe? I mean, you know, how? Well, we continue bringing diverse voices. The fact, for instance, that we had Antela from Yemen uh, joining us last year and talking about Islamic feminism, and then Lucy from Palestine talking about the reality of yeah. living in Palestine and being a mm -hmm. woman counselor, elected yeah. counselor of Bethlehem. I think yeah. many of us in Southeast Asia really had no idea that those things were were possible in the Middle East. Yeah. We have this notion. That because yeah. the Middle East and North mm -hmm. Africa are you know, pretty close, that women yeah. have not made inroads. And it took Antilak to open our eyes to the fact that, yes, we do focus on Islamic feminism. We yeah. have Aisa and we have Khadija as role models to show that Islam yeah. supports the empowerment of women right. so i guess we continue bringing friends from the network over 
to yeah. share their stories on She Talks Peace and open our eyes to what's happening and what women are doing. And I think this year, Dina, we have yeah. to start focusing also on what the young women, what the youth yes. are doing, yeah. because they definitely are going to, we're going to have to watch out what young voters are going to be doing, and not just in Southeast Asia, but elsewhere. Okay, okay. Yeah. I think one thing, I oh, that's another thing, because you mentioned it just now. I hope in the future we can actually discuss, right? Okay, in Malaysia, the word feminism, especially among Malay Muslim women, is a dirty word, right? Then you have people like Ruby, you have Dr. Ampon, you know, they all our sisters wear the hijab and they have no issues with feminism. Mm-hmm. So perhaps let's discuss about that. What on earth is going on in these people's minds? And to realize that, you know, <laughs> this does not stop you from becoming a peace builder. This does not make you a lesser person for becoming a feminist. Let's have that chat. You know, Absolutely have- right. Yeah. 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 yeah, and I like uh, the way that kind of focus in your half of an essay, <laughs> talking <laughs> about diversity, equality, and inclusion. I think we have to start focusing on that. I mean, twenty twenty two diversity, equality, right. and inclusion. Yes, inclusion. I give you my word that after the my that bit is, you know, accredited by my professors, I'll write a longer brief. (laughs) (laughs) I promise you that. You should, because that's going to be a fantastic doctorate for your, you know, a a dissertation for your your PhD, Dina. I can't can't imagine how you find the time. I mean, just thinking about all these assignments of yours and I'm already tired. No, no, no. It's like this. My PhD is part-time. And actually, I'm actually looking at social mobility among young Malays, who they identify themselves with. You know, we have the young hijabista who see themselves Muslim first, not Malay, not Malaysians. Then you have the young working class men who see themselves that. I have been asked, why don't I turn this into a CVE, you know, counterterrorism PhD? Mm. But I don't think I will survive because I just thought for the PhD, I need to step out of CVE. You know, mm. have a mm-hmm. bit of a clear mind. But you know what? As my professor said, you know, people tend to teach the thesis in the second year. So God knows what will happen in the second year. It might become something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's yeah. true. And then yeah. you're going to start getting hate mail and death threats yeah. because you're, uh, yeah, yeah. you're you're really <laughs> focusing now on, on countering violent extremism and countering yeah. 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 terrorism. Yeah. But, well, it's the start of a new, new year. year. Omicron may be here, but it seems like it's a milder version, Nakonwood, of uh, Delta. And I've seen some doctors saying that maybe we should let Omicron infect more of our population because then it would give us immunities after we're infected. I don't know about that. But considering the fact that you have a lot more contagions, but much, much, much less uh, hospitalization and death. Who knows? Maybe we are turning the corner. And Omicron is a sign that the pandemic is going to go the way of the flu. And you would just need a once a year vaccination the way all of us are uh, you know, encouraged okay. to do, right? 
for yeah. flu, anti-flu and, and anti-pneumonia. Yeah. So knock uh-huh. on wood. There are a lot of things to be positive about in 2022, Dina. Yes. Well, we've got next week. Who's going to be in uh, on next week? Yeah. Well, we're going to have our first guest. Well, we'll be uh-huh. taping our first guest from Japan. All right. And I'm very happy about that because our listeners in Japan, Dina, not just from Tokyo, All but right. we have listeners in Hokkaido. Wow. Wow. I've okay. never been to Hokkaido, but I, I hear that it's a beautiful country and they have that the winter activities in Hokkaido. Hmm. Maybe that's another place we should go and visit. So we're going to be having a guest from Japan to talk to us. And we're going to have young photographers and artists who use their craft to focus on peace and gender equality. It's going to be fun. We should get more. We should find singers who use music for peace. And dancers, Dina, except we can't show them because it's a podcast. That's too bad. <laughs> okay. That's a brilliant idea. Okay. Can. Bole. As we say. Bole. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. So I'm looking forward to our coming episodes. And before yep. we say goodbye, I yes. just want to welcome our new listeners from Taiwan. Wow, so we're now, yeah, Hi. we're now, yeah, yeah. we have now reached 41 countries. The 40th country was Pakistan and the 41st country listening to us is Taiwan. So ni hao, welcome and thanks for tuning in to She Talks Peace. And I hope you have a, Happy New Year, wherever you are, and a happy Chinese New Year, as Dina said. So, Dina, you want to share your well wishes for all of our listeners? To all our listeners, thank you for being with us. One year, right? Almost one year. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much. And we hope to, well, if not illuminate you this year, or educate you. We hope to entertain you somewhat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. A lot of our friends find us very entertaining. The last episode that aired, right. a lot of people commented about the, the wonderful song that was sung somewhere. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. I can't remember that part. But to the listeners who are listening in, if you feel that you want to have something to say and you want to be on our show, please reach out to us. She talks peace podcast at gmail.com. So they can reach us there. Please email us, give us your suggestions, and we'll Uh be very happy to accommodate. 
So okay. thanks everyone for listening. Thank you. This is Amina from Manila and my dear friend. All right, selamat tinggal semua. See you soon. Bye. See you soon. Bye. Bye. She Talks Peace is brought to you in partnership with Podcast Network Asia and Podmetrics, the easiest way to monetize your podcast. For more information, check out their website at podcastnetwork.asia and podmetrics.co. The views and opinions expressed by the podcast creators, hosts, and guests do not necessarily reflect the official policy and position of Podcast Network Asia the hosts of the program or other programs of the network. Any content provided by the people on the podcast are of their own opinion and are not intended to malign any religion, ethnic group, club, organization, company, individual, or anyone or anything.